Hi, it's Heather. Welcome back to Business Mindset Mastery. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're switching things up a little bit on today's episode, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about it. During the summer hiatus, one of the things that I realized is that I have three hundred episodes in the archives of this show. And there are some golden nuggets that you're never going to find unless I put the spotlight on them. And that's what we're doing for today's episode. We're going way back, um, I think it's over a year now, to the 10 mindset shifts that you can make to get from stuck to successful. I took the time a while back to kind of do a rundown of mindset shifts and practices that will get you from where you are to where you want to be. A lot of people ask me, what do I do for my own daily mindset practice? Do I do a mantra? Do I do a gratitude journal? Do I read a new book every month or like an entrepreneur or two that I know read a new book every week? And the reality is, is that my way of doing mindset is a daily practice. I want to be intentional and knowing who I am, how I move through the world, and what I want my life and business to look like. Those are words and phrases you have probably heard me say on repeat on this show, because that is my wish for you. But as we try to live intentionally, as we try to move through the world toward that ultimate goal of the lives and businesses we want, we have to think about how we make decisions. You heard me talk a little bit about that on a Monday's episode. I want to go further with some guiding principles that I use as I interact with people, as I make decisions for my life, as I make decisions for my business. It comes down to how I think about things and how I perceive things. And when we do that in positive regard from a strengths perspective on repeat, we start to build daily habits for ourselves. And when I think about 10 mindset shifts, that's where I'm going with this. The idea that if you pick one or two and work on them fastidiously for a little while, they start to become your habit. This was a masterclass in positive mindset and in strength, you know, development for yourself. I encourage you to grab a notebook or grab your laptop and take notes along the way. And bonus points if you start to highlight for yourself what you are so already laser focused on and have totally nailed and where you need to work on. And then I would challenge you to use your strengths to help you empower yourself as you nail some of these areas of development that you would like to tackle for yourself. So grab a good cup of coffee, a cup of tea, an adult beverage of choice if you so choose, pull out that note-taking tool of yours, and let's get to work. I look forward to hearing what you think about this. You'll even hear in the introduction that this episode came out before I changed my business name, so you're headed back to choose to have it all, but it's the same person with the same intention, helping you live 
your best life so you can have the life and business you want. If you have a question for me after the show, something you'd like to talk to me about later on, find me over at Heather at HeatherGrayConsulting.com. But a little known secret is the old email address still works too. And if you like what you hear, a good way to help new listeners find this show, please consider sharing it on your favorite social media platform, leaving a review on iTunes, or just sharing it with a friend who might need to hear it. Thanks so much for listening in. I look forward to talking to you next time. Tune in and sit back and enjoy. Have a good one. What do you do when you know you need a mindset reboot and you have no idea where to begin? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. And you can always find me at choosetohaveitall.com. And today I'd like to offer you 10 quick mindset shifts for when you need a reboot. So much time is spent on personal development. And when people are talking about this you know, industry, they're usually reading a ton of books, usually at the same time. They're reading and watching TED Talks and blogs, and they're focusing so much on improving themselves and bettering themselves and always doing better, wanting more, seeking more, that sometimes you can just get lost. Other times this phrase comes up, and I don't know if you recognize it, but I know I've certainly caught myself using it a time or two, and that's the idea of life happening. I was doing fine, and then life happened, and then you insert whatever annoying thing um, in your life that just suddenly happened to you, and it it takes us off course. We lose our focus. We lose our drive. We lose our passion. Sometimes we simply misplace it. Sometimes it feels like it's lost for good, but life happens. And what do we do next? My inbox is filled with this random hodgepodge of questions right now. A lot to do with life happening. What do you do when it gets too busy, when there's competing demands, when one person wants this to be your highest priority, but you have a wish or a goal for your yourself and you want that to be your highest priority. And then I also had a moment that's kind of made me stop and take some really deep breaths. A member in my Facebook community lost her husband last week. Um, she, She knew he was struggling and she knew he'd be dying but she lost him uh, last week. And that's really had me stop and catch my breath. Um, They're so young to be living this and having this story. And it comes close to home for me personally, having a husband with a disability. I've always kind of imagined or assumed that with, you know, his health compromises that I might lose him uh, sooner than I'm ready. And I was thinking about this phrase that I tend to use. I tend to over use it about life happening. What do we do when life happens? And at some point in time this weekend, I realized that this is life. 
that we can't just say when the bad stuff happens, that's life happening. And that we then stop and give it our due attention and go back to whatever the rest of the time is. That at some point in time, we all come to this moment of awareness that this is our life right now. This is what we're being handed. This is the challenges we're facing. And this is what we're called to respond to. It's not life happening to us. This is life. And I started to think about what do I want to share on the show about this? I could tell I was coming up with things I wanted to share, but everything I was coming up with was so isolated and seemingly irrelevant or unrelated to one another. So it seemed to be more appropriate to do a listicle. Um, Listicles are things back in my media days when you do like the top 10 things or the greatest four or the worst five. Um, And I started thinking about the 10 mindset shifts you need to make when you need a reboot. Because I think when people talk about that phrase, life happening, what they're really talking about is they got distracted. They got pulled away. Something took their attention from whatever they were working on and put it somewhere else. And now they can't find their way again. And when you get lost, when you get stuck or you feel disoriented, you're going to be lost for your own particular set of reasons. And the person right next to you who's feeling equally lost is going to feel that way for a completely different set of reasons. So there's no one true answer when you need a reboot. But there are a list of things that you can look at and that are worth considering when you're trying to find your way again, when you're trying to get back on track and do this thing we call life. So I I hope you'll indulge me. I hope you'll listen in as I share some of them. The first one is kind of what I would call my golden rule, that we can't control what we think or feel. We can only control what we do about what we think and feel. So often people write to me about wanting to be more positive, about not wanting to be as stressed out or feel as resentful or as hurt or burdened by events in their own lives. And I always tell people, you're missing the point and you're wasting time. That we get to feel whatever we feel in response to things. We are entitled to our own reactions and we really can't control what we think or feel. Some people will tell you that you can. I tend to say like when something happens, you're going to feel it. You get your reaction. It gets to be your own, but what you do with it is entirely up to you. How you handle it when life happens, as they say, when an obstacle has been put in your way, when you did your best and your best didn't work, when you missed out on something, were disappointed by something, experienced a trauma, all of the things that our lives can bring us to deal with on a daily basis, they are going to bring up feelings. Some of them are going to be completely rational. Some of them are 
are going to be completely irrational. Some of them will make sense to every single person you talk to, and some of your thoughts and feelings aren't going to make any sense to anybody, and that's okay. And if you put your energy in trying to think differently or feel differently, it's kind of like you're pissing in the wind. It's only going to come back and slap you back in the face, and that's probably not a good sensation there. So work on not doing that, right? But figuring out for yourself, what do you want to do instead? Starts with acknowledging and owning what it is you're thinking and feeling. I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm scared. Fill in the blank. And then you get to decide what you want to do with that. And the best way I know how to teach you how to do this comes down to the thing you've heard me say on repeat on this show, is if you get crystal clear on who you are, what you want your life to be like, and how you want to move through the world, if you get that image of yourself, then as you have choices, as you make decisions in your daily life, you can do a little bit of a checkpoint with yourself and ask yourself, does this choice get me closer to being the person I want to be and the life I want to have, or does it move me further away? And then you can choose accordingly. That's how you get control back. That's how you determine what you're going to do with all of your thoughts and all of your feelings. The next thing is recognizing that this thing called life comes with good and it comes with bad, it comes with sucker punches, and it comes with incredible joy. Our challenge is always going to be holding both, recognizing the good and the bad in life. Now, the bad has a way of making itself more visible and obvious to us. We usually feel it more intensely. It's usually noisier. It gets more attention. It's that squeaky wheel that always gets the attention, right? So we are going to have to train our brains to look for the good and see the green lights, to really notice when things go our way, when we're more confident and capable than we imagined, when people show up for us, when something isn't as hard as we imagined it to be, when there's moments of sudden and unexpected joy in our lives, it's up to us to train our brains to catalog those things because we're hardwired for fight or flight. We are always going to be biologically wired to look for risk and threat. If we want to look for joy, if we want to find the good, we are going to have to train our brains to do that because that part isn't instinctual for us. That's relatively new in the course of human development. So we have some work to do when it comes to, you know, developing ourselves as a species. And we're going to have to train our brains to look for and see the good. But here's the thing, that when we do that, it goes hand in hand with my third thing, that if you want to be all in on this thing called life, fear and vulnerability come with the territory. So many of the maladaptive things I see in terms of the ways people cope, so many of the places where I see people really struggling, are frozen with fear, are stuck in inaction, is because they're trying to avoid the unavoidable. If you want to be all in on your lives, 
fear and vulnerability are going to be present. Again, you always get to go back to my first point. You always get to decide what you're going to do with what you're thinking and feeling. But if you really want to be all in on your life and experience all the joy that it has to offer, you're going to have to recognize and accept that fear and vulnerability come with the territory. And I'm sure you're asking and wondering why, right? Well, here's the thing. When we live our lives in a prevent defense, when we try to avoid disconnections, when we try to avoid heartbreak, when we try to avoid failure or rejection, we wall ourselves off and we armor up, right? Well, here's the thing when we do that. Each and every time we wall off or armor up, we don't get any control whatsoever in that filter. We don't get to say, only filter out the bad. That filter becomes universal and we find ourselves filtering out the good. That's why we struggle with experiencing joy in its entirety because our walls and our armor have filtered out those things as well. If you want to be all in, you are going to have to make friends with fear and vulnerability and trust yourself to manage them, to be able to deal with it, to be able to choose your own individual path and find your way. But when you try to avoid them both entirely, you are going to get lost and you're going to be thrown off course. It's a unavoidable. You can't try something new. You can't go for the brass ring, change your life or change your way of moving through the world without risking a mistake. But if you can remind yourself that you're capable of dealing with things when they don't work out, that you would rather be cleaning up a mess of something you tried that didn't work out than never try at all. It's so much easier to push through the world and figure some of that stuff out. Now, next, a lot of times this is where somebody will tell you to practice gratitude, to stay tuned in to what you're grateful for, what you're appreciative of. Um, And I think that people who talk about regular daily gratitude practices really hone in on their ability to absorb and see and hold the good. I have to be honest with you. Gratitude practices haven't worked for me. Um, Just sitting and being clued into what I'm grateful for, they don't really change my mood or my mindset. Um, I've done a lot of reading about it. I've read other people's practices. It's not something that's worked for me. So I always tell people and introduce it as something that they can try. But I also offer what has worked for me instead. And it's the idea that kindness matters. I am very deliberate in who I am and how I move through the world in terms of how I treat other people. Not just friends and family, that's kind of obvious. But I'm talking about my regular interactions when I'm at the grocery store with the clerk, when I'm in line at the gas station, when I need to get to the dry cleaners before it closes, Um, all the different service people who have been coming to my house trying to help me uh, figure out how to get it ready for remodel, and everybody you just encounter in your regular everyday. I am really mindful and intentional about being kind. Um, 
our a person who helped us with our mortgage, for example, sent us uh, lovely wine glasses as a home a housewarming gift um, after the deal went through. And I didn't just send her a standard thank you for the gift. It was so thoughtful. I personalized it. I showed her a little bit about who I was and my personality. I was funny and really engaging in the thank you note, even though we've never managed anything more than paperwork back and forth as we got the mortgage ready. But I took the time to make it personal. And that's how I move through the world. I think about being kind. I try to remember and remind myself that everybody's going through something that we have no idea about. Gratitude doesn't always work in terms of getting me focused and thinking positive, but being kind and considerate and taking an extra step, I think on some level that's my gratitude practice. It's something that I started when I was working with people who were depressed and who were finding um, that therapy was unresponsive to the um, depression, that even psychotropic medication wasn't really changing depression, but somehow doing random acts of kindness has been scientifically proven to ease depression. So it's not being, it's not about being altruistic and just giving yourself away. It's recognizing that when we do good for others, it typically comes with a feeling of feeling good about ourselves. So whenever I need a mindset reboot, I usually will tune into how I've been treating people. Am I tuning into my interactions or have I numbed out? Am I making eye contact, something as simple as eye contact and a wave when you are passing somebody in the aisle of a grocery store can shift your own mood and your own story about your day. But being intentional about your casual interactions can really start to shift how you're thinking and feeling about yourself and your life. The next thing, you hear a lot about it. People preach about self-care all the time, and so few people listen. Um, I think it's because self-care honestly gets a bad rap, that people think it's about going to the spa, um, having a zen-like moment, uh, relaxing, mani-pedis, whatever you want to talk about it. I usually say that we get to decide for ourselves what self-care is. Sometimes self-care for me is going to be what my husband and I did on Friday night. I bought a bunch of different bourbon samples and whiskey samples, and he and I started learning about whiskey and bourbon because I'd had a couple of good cocktails that I liked out on in the town a couple of weeks ago, and we just wanted to learn more. Um, I, that for me was creating a new memory, doing something different, trying something new. And that to me would go in the self-care category. Sometimes it's going to be getting up in the morning um, before my husband gets up on a Saturday. So I have time to catch up on my shows that are on the DVR that he doesn't like to watch. But the theme here is putting ourselves on our list. That oftentimes when things get really busy, when we're especially challenged when our backs are against the wall. The first thing we do is give up the things that nobody else will be compromised or inconvenienced on should we give it up. 
So a huge part of making a mindset shift is making sure you put yourself on your list. That can come in the form of traditional self-care if you have a tradition around self-care, but it usually comes down to the simple principle of making sure that you're on your own damn list, right? Now, the next thing I want you to think about, and this is a doozy, and I wrote it down in preparation of this show, and honestly, I I think at some point I have to make it its own podcast episode because it certainly could um, take us down a rabbit hole of a conversation, but we talk so much about personal development, but what we forget in the context of personal development a lot of times is that we're not islands. As humans, we are sort of bound by a need for relationship, a desire to connect with other people. And the amount of work on communication is so limited in comparison to the work on personal development. And we can't just keep building ourselves up without also looking at how well we're connecting with other people. And there are so many different things to think about here. And I am not going to do that topic justice in a single podcast episode, but I do want you to start thinking about your relationships with the people who matter most. I first want to make sure that you have relationships that matter. If you've become increasingly isolative, if you're not spending time with quality interactions with people that are in your life, if you've become a little bit of a hermit, that is likely going to be the first mindset shift that you need to make is to re-engage with other people. But relationships are tricky and challenging, and the best way you can navigate them is with transparent communication to recognize that most relationships become broken or fractured because of misunderstandings and avoidance of conflict. That if you want to engage in healthy relationships and have the relationships in your life really be things that build you up and make you bolder and make you better, you're going to have to get better at communicating. That means talking about your needs, asking your friends, family, partners what their needs are, asking if your friends, family, partners are going to be willing to meet your needs and identifying that you're willing to meet theirs as well. It is having hard conversations, clarifying misunderstandings, and that is a lot of work. And a lot of the times when I see people falter in their personal development, it's because they've checked out of their personal relationships. These are not two mutually exclusive things that you can get to when it's convenient. I often think that the best personal development happens hand in hand with relationship development and relationship improvement. So I hope you'll give that some thought. And if you have thoughts and questions about that particular topic, definitely let me know because I I know that it's a podcast episode that's worth its own time and weight in gold. Um, But I don't always know what people are struggling with or where their struggles are individually. So if you reach out to me and let me know, I'll give you directions um, at the end of the show to do that. I'd love to know what your experience currently is in relationships and where you think I might be be able to help. But continuing with the discussion I'm having with you today, I want to talk to you about the responsibility we have to be self-aware. 
I think this gets lost in the messaging sometimes when it comes to personal development because so much about the jargon that we encounter in personal development comes with being bolder, being bigger, asking for more, going for more, trying new things, doing all the things, making changes, go big or go home. And it's outside of ourselves and it lacks something. And what it lacks is self-awareness, not just who we want to be, but who are we right now? What aggravates us? What makes us laugh? What really motivates and inspires us? What slows us down, gets us caught in our own way? What do we, you know, excel at? What do we struggle with? Where are our strengths and weaknesses? What do we need to be most successful? All of those things are things tied to self-awareness that have nothing to do with who do you want to be later and everything to do with who are you right now. The biggest struggle I see a lot of times in personal development is people are trying to run away from themselves. They don't like what they see in the mirror, so they just run away. They pretend it's not there and they think they can pivot or reinvent themselves. But so much about personal development is knowing who you are, recognizing that there's always room for improvement. There's always things you can work on. But at some point in time, there's also core characteristics about yourself that are simply not going to change. And trying to change them, enforcing square pegs into round holes, never works. All it does is set you back, keep you stuck and frozen in action, and you never get to where you're going. Self-awareness is key. And if you don't feel like you know yourself yet, stop trying to be someone else. Get to know who you are now. Then you can decide who you want to be. And here's the thing, self-acceptance. Self-awareness comes hand in hand with something else that I like to call self-acceptance, recognizing that some of these things that even if you don't like about yourself aren't really going to change. We are all capable of creating new endings to our stories. I believe that with my whole heart, my whole body, my whole mind, but I also know that at the end of the day, there's things about us that like it or not are never going to change. So we have to accept it about ourselves so that we can learn to move through it. And this is the dumbest example, and I can't even believe I'm sharing this on the show. It was totally not my intention, but it's such a good... It's such a good example of self-awareness and self-acceptance. So um, I missed an episode recording podcasts with you guys last week because I was trying to get everything done for my license with the DMV and it required 50 million more steps than I was anticipating. So um, I finally got the registration piece handed to me, right? Like, so um, I got that part right. I had the right, I had my Massachusetts title. I had my Massachusetts registration. I got the California smog check on my vehicle. I figured out I could do the registration switch through AAA. I didn't have to go to the DMV. I got it done. I was so excited to have this thing checked off my list. And all day, all I was saying to myself is, this is going to be so great when I get this done. So imagine my surprise, shock and awe 
when the guy hands me my new California license plates, which should be a sign to me that like another major to-do thing is off my list, and I just welled up with tears instantly perking the back of my eyes and leaking from my face. Um, I was thankful that I didn't do it in front of him, but I got emotional. Um, I thought about my old plates. I thought about the fact, I'm going to get emotional talking to you now. I thought about the fact that I got my license at 22 and those Massachusetts plates that needed to come off my car held an incredible story, held so many stories of me becoming an adult, me having every heartbreak, every win, every success. Those plates have been a part of every story. I wasn't at all anticipating the emotion that it would mean of taking those plates down. Even now, I'm surprised three days later, I'm still kind of crying about it. Because here's the thing. I am always going to be the person who gets stupid sentimental about things. I am always, always going to be that person who finds meaning, who finds special, who finds happy in the stupidest things on the planet at the most inconvenient times. I didn't want to be in the AAA parking lot crying. I don't want to be on this podcast crying, but I am always going to be the person who's sentimental at inconvenient times. I can tell myself not to be. I can berate myself for thinking small. I can make fun of myself. I could let the inner critic rage. Or I could say, yep, (laughs) since childhood, you've cried inappropriately at things that make no sense to anyone else. Because that is a core of who I am. And at the end of the day, as much as it is embarrassing to cry again on a podcast and cry in a parking lot, I am also really glad that I'm somebody who doesn't lose meaning in insignificant things. That if I had to choose, I'd rather be the person who's a little bit embarrassed right now thinking about re-recording this segment without crying than be the person who just switched plates and didn't give it a second thought. But that journey and me sitting here and talking about it and actively choosing not to delete that segment is because I know that this is a part of me. I accept it about myself. I've battled it so many times. I have so wished that I could sort of not wear my heart on my sleeve sometimes, that I could feel the sentiment but keep it privately to myself where nobody else would see or know about it. But that's just not how it works with me. And the sooner I can self-accept that about myself, the sooner I'm able to figure out how do I need to adapt to whatever's in front of me in order to acknowledge that this is who I am, how I move through the world, but also get to where I really want to go if some of the things that I'm struggling with accepting about myself are simply immovable, non-negotiable objects in my life. We have to accept who we are so that we can learn how to 
become who we want to be with those things in mind. Otherwise, we're going to constantly be setting ourselves up to fail. We're never going to get to where we want to go if we're constantly trying to not be people who we're meant to be. It always comes back to choice, right? And that's where I end. It's where I started with you today, and it's where I'm going to end with you today, that it always comes back to choice. I saw a video on Facebook recently with Will Smith, and he was talking about how a fan had sort of shouted out to him from a crowd, hey, dude, I want to be just like you when I grow up. I want to be an actor. I want that kind of life. That's going to be me someday. And Will Smith kind of like bluntly as anything, looking at the camera on the video he was talking to said, yep, and not everybody's going to do it. In fact, most people won't. So many people will say, I want to, that can be me someday, but they're not willing to actually put in the work to do the thing that will get them there. You have to make the choice to do the work to show up for yourself, to get the reins in on your life, to get the driver's seat of your car, and for you to decide the direction you want to go and where you're taking this. And sometimes you are going to hit a major roadblock. A member of my community right now is living that. She is going to have to push through piles and piles of grief before she can get back to living her new version of her life in her new normal. It's not going to happen today, tomorrow, the next week, the next month. Those types of things are all a part of life. And when they happen to us, we have to feel them. We have to live through them. We have to push through them. And we have to be open to the lessons offered to us. The insights we're going to gain while we hold on to our heartache. It is impossible at times. And it is always a part of a journey. But that journey is life. It isn't just the bad stuff that happens. It's all the good in between and our challenge to hold both. I hope this show today has offered you some value. I hope it's given you some perspective. I hope if you are feeling kind of stuck and unsure of where to go next, that you can kind of look at the list and see where maybe you had taken a left turn and you should have gone right and see what you need to do to get back on track. But just know this, you can build the life you want on your terms. You just have to choose it. Thanks for listening today. If you want my two cents on your problem, I do encourage you to reach out to me. You can write to me at heather at choose to have it all.com. I'll turn your question into an anonymous podcast episode. And I, I usually have a pretty good turnaround time, no more than a week usually. So write to me, let me know what you're struggling with, and I'd be happy to help. Thanks so much for listening today. Bye for now.